Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash best music to get Live One Plus now. This Christmas, feel joy, gift joy, and send them joy with the perfect gift at Arnott's. Explore an endless array of gifting that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Shop Irish at the Christmas market, support emerging new businesses with Pitch 22, or find something extra special from one of our world-class brands. Shop in-store and online at arnott's.ie. Monsters is a podcast about the worst human beings on the planet. The episodes of this podcast deal with murder, dismemberment, torture, rape, child abuse, and mental illness. Please turn back while you still can. Listener discretion advised. I want to take a minute to thank all of the people who've supported this channel. There's been an overwhelmingly positive response, and I want to thank everyone who's watched, subscribed, and donated money. This was going to be the final episode of the season, but due to the positive feedback, I've added two more shows. This season will end before Christmas, and we'll pick up with Season 2 in January. I want to thank everyone again, and I look forward to continuing to provide you with content. Joanne Cunningham and Andrew Friend spent most of their son, AJ Friend's, life abusing him and berating him. In April of 2019, the parents forced the four-year-old boy into a freezing cold shower before Cunningham beat him with a detachable shower head. AJ died later that night, and the parents buried his body before calling the police and reporting him missing. This is Monsters. Come back and find out that he's deceased. Tapping me on the head, telling me I'm cheating, telling me I'm, you know, let me see your phone. Just kill her, and she died. I think Diego Campione totally in the wrong and I hope he burns in hell for all his sins. Hell's not a very fun place. I only have two hands. I'm that four hands girl. I'm two hands. And I don't know. It's just get escalated escalated. There's been quite a few cases of filicide in the United States that have made people question the effectiveness of local child protective agencies. The Netflix series The Trials of Gabriel Fernandez shined a spotlight on the failure of the Los Angeles County Department of Child and Family Services. There were multiple reports of abuse to police and social workers over the course of eight months, but Gabriel was never removed from the home. In the case of seven-year-old Adrian Jones, who was murdered and fed to pigs by his father Michael Jones and his stepmother Heather Jones, the Kansas Department of Child and Families had multiple visits to the Jones home. Adrian himself told the agents that he was repeatedly kicked and punched by his father, even stating that they, quote, always lock me in my room, I have to sleep without a pillow and blanket, end quote. Adrian's own grandmother contacted DCF twice to express concern about the boy's situation. Adrian was never removed from the home. Even outside of the U.S., children are not always being protected from potentially deadly homes. One of our previous stories about Samantha Keymatch, which took place in Canada, was another tragic story of a child who was living with adults who had a long history with their local child protective services. It led to an inquiry which called for 62 recommendations for improving the child welfare system. 
The Providence of Manitoba announced that it had or was planning to implement many of the suggested changes. This case follows a similar path. Drug-addicted parents who had extensive records with the Illinois Department of Child and Family Services. Even though the child had tested positive for opiates at birth, DCFS continued to give the parents custody of him. It would eventually cost him his life. Joanne Cunningham had been receiving visits from the Illinois Department of Child and Family Services before AJ was ever born. Cunningham already had a child with her high school boyfriend, and she was fostering another child. DCFS had been out multiple times to investigate reports of drug abuse and inadequate supervision. Both times, the cases were labeled as unfounded. This means that they didn't find any evidence of abuse or neglect. They did end up removing the foster child when it was revealed that she had moved without prior permission from the foster care agency. In 2012, Cunningham was getting a divorce from Craig Summercamp, who she married in 2006. This is where she met Andrew Friend as he was her divorce lawyer. During her divorce proceedings, she and Friend were found in criminal contempt for removing items from Summercamp's home despite a court order not to. The judge ordered Cunningham to a 30-day jail sentence, and during this time, Cunningham's mother, Lori Hughes, became the guardian of her 12-year-old son. Eventually, summer camp and Cunningham's marriage was dissolved, and she moved in with Friend. Within days of her moving in, police were called because Cunningham had sent a text to her friend that said, quote, I'll see you on the other side, end quote. She also sent her boyfriend a text that said, quote, I'm going to hang myself in your house, end quote. Paramedics took her for a mental health evaluation. Andrew Friend Jr., who they called AJ, was born on October 14, 2013, and just two days later, DCFS got a report of drug abuse and neglect. A drug test found the baby had opiates in his system, and he was taken from Cunningham and Friend. The court placed AJ with a cousin, where he lived for the next 18 months. During that time, Cunningham and Friend had another child, Parker, who remained with the parents. In June of 2015, the court ordered AJ to be returned to his home. Over the next 10 months, DCFS made 26 unannounced visits to the family's home and saw no sign of abuse or neglect. Then there's a period of quiet in the family. There are no reports from DCFS or police for about two and a half years. One can only speculate at what was going on in the house. It's possible that milder abuse was taking place as the situation built to what would eventually cause the death of AJ. In March of 2018, Cunningham had been taken to the hospital after being found unresponsive in a car. The hospital staff had observed bruising on AJ's face. An agent from DCFS interviewed the family nearly a month later and found no evidence of maltreatment. This activity continued for the rest of 2018. On Halloween in 2017, AJ and defendant friend arrived at his home while trick-or-treating. He observed AJ to have a number of bandages on various parts of his body, Defendant Friend explained to Rossau that the injuries were caused by AJ having spilled boiling water on himself in her visits to BCU. On the first occasion, Lamberti noticed that AJ had, ex had an extremely dark black eye and bruises on his necks and arms. Upon Lamberti inquiring as to the cause of these injuries, Cunningham stated that AJ had, quote, accidentally fallen down the stairs. On the second occasion, approximately three weeks after the first, Lamberti observed that AJ had a cut and black and blue bruises on his arms and face. Cunningham, Cunningham explained to Lamberti that AJ had entered their basement and hit himself with power tools. On the third occasion, Lamberti observed AJ to have bruising to his face. Cunningham did not offer an explanation as to the cause of these injuries. 
At the end of March or early April 2019, defendant friend had brought AJ to work. Barfus observed that AJ had significant bruising and cuts on his forehead and the side of his face. A after inquiring as to the cause of these injuries, defendant friend replied that AJ had, quote, fell down the stairs. DCFS got continuous reports of the children being mistreated, abused, the parents doing drugs, or the house being filthy or unsafe. DCFS investigated, but reported the claims unfounded and did nothing. According to these parents, AJ is the clumsiest child on the planet. He seems to keep falling down the stairs. Agents testified about the condition of the house. What, if anything, did you observe about the condition of the residence? Um, it was not good. Um, there was parts of the ceiling were missing, and um, there was a big hole in the ceiling. Um, the floor had been destroyed, the tile of or linoleum had been up, it was raw wood. Um, the door um, area was black with dirt and feces. It smelled horrific. Um, that was just the main entry. Um, as we continued through the house, um, the living room area had bags and bags of clothes um, and piles of clothes strewn about. Um, we then went upstairs, um, checked AJ's room. Um, the window was open. I thought odd because it was cold. Um, and it smelled of dirty diapers. There were stacks of dirty diapers um, on the floor and over overflowing, um, and there was a, a nasty stench. Um, and then I think that was all the rooms that I had checked at that point. On March 4th, 2019, Cunningham made a video of AJ laying naked in a crib with bandages over his wrists and hips. He had an ice pack over his eyes, and he was covered in bruises. His mother is heard in the video berating him over wetting the bed. Wetting the bed is not uncommon for children who are suffering abuse. It is uncommon for a child who wets the bed to have an underlying cause such as abuse be the reason they're wetting the bed. But when a child is being abused, it tends to cause stress, which can cause bedwetting. Then, the bedwetting angers the parent, who abuses the child over the bedwetting, creating a vicious cycle of child abuse. Cunningham would record AJ other times when she talked to him as well. Recordings that were played in court were extremely eye-opening regarding how A.J. felt about his family. But why do you want them to hurt me, Why? The clip is a recording of AJ telling Cunningham that he wanted bad people to hurt her so he wouldn't have to see her again. Cunningham yells, quote, What is it? End quote. AJ responds, quote, It is, cuz, cuz it, it's so bad people would hurt you. End quote. Cunningham asks, quote, But why would you want bad people to hurt me and Parker? Why? End quote. AJ says, quote, Cuz, so, so I don't ever see you again, end quote. Two weeks before his death, she recorded him again. Answer the question. I just don't want anybody around me. Because you don't want anyone around you? Well, you want your dad around you, you said. Right? Right. But I just 
or what? I just told my nanny around me right now. Why am I sad? In this clip, which is easier to understand, he explains that he doesn't want to be around anyone. He does claim to like his dad, and that makes sense, since Friend seems to be less violent with the boy. He begins by saying that he doesn't want anybody around him. He wants to live alone. He says that he doesn't want a family. Cunningham is quick to inform the boy that he doesn't have a family and that his father wouldn't choose him over her and Parker. This boy is only five years old, and he is dreaming about having no family. It's because all he knows about family is that they hurt you. Family to him means people who beat you and yell at you and stick you in a cold shower for extended periods of time. All he wants is to not have that happen anymore. On April 14th, Joanne Cunningham had discovered a pair of soiled underwear at the bottom of AJ's closet. Her and friend were asking him why they were there, but they weren't getting an answer from him. After spanking got them nowhere... Cunningham put the boy in a cold shower for about 20 minutes. Friend had told police during his interrogation that he wanted Cunningham to stop using physical violence as a punishment. He felt like she was too aggressive and had previously asked her to tone it down, which is why she was using the shower. It looked like Cunningham couldn't keep her violence at bay because she had also beat the child with a shower head as part of her punishment. The medical examiner found multiple injuries consistent with the detachable shower head in their bathroom and that his cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head. Tell me what's been marked as exhibit E2. Doctor, what are we looking at here? This is his face um, from a full review. All right, and doctor, using this, you got a laser pointer right here. Wait, two and wait. The okay. top one, right? Top one, yep. Okay. All right. Using diagram 21 uh, to the front of AJ's face, could you just describe the injuries that you observed? Um, on the front of the face here, um, there's a number of abrasions up here, some of which are, um, there are multiple small circular abrasions. Some of them are irregular. All right, and prior to coming here to court, doctor, did you have the opportunity to review pictures of the shower head that was found on the second floor of 94 Dole Avenue? Yes, sir. All right, and how do those compare to the abrasions that you saw on the, on the forehead of AJ Friend's remains? The multiple circular red abrasions here on the central forehead match the shower head that I was shown. The couple claimed that AJ was put to bed cold, wet, and naked. At some point later that night, Cunningham went to AJ's room to check on him and found him unresponsive. Well, basically, he's received multiple injuries to his head. His brain is swelling. He's inhaling blood. 
His brain is swelling more. Now his brain is swollen so much that it's actually starting to crush itself against the skull because it has no place to go. And because it's crushing itself inside, um, well, the vital breathing, heart, all the different organs slowly but surely shut down. And then death occurs. Would this have been a painful death? Um, when he was actually being injured, yes. Um, once he's unconscious, of course, no. Okay. And then in terms of the extent of the blood, blunt force trauma, how does this compare to other cases of child abuse that you've seen? Uh, it's a pretty bad case. At around 3 o'clock the following morning, one of them used friend's cell phone to search for child CPR. Once they determined that the boy was dead, friend put his body in a plastic tote and placed it in the basement. On April 17th, friend put his son's body in garbage bags and loaded it into the trunk of his car. He drove out to Woodstock, about 10 miles northwest of Crystal Lake, and buried the boy in a shallow grave on a vacant lot. On the way home, he stopped by the store where he bought duct tape, air freshener, bleach, and plastic gloves. Authorities believe these supplies were used to clean up the crime scene. The following morning, Friend went to his 6.30 a.m. doctor's appointment where he was sure to get a receipt. He even mentioned to the receptionist about needing, quote, a paper trail, end quote. When he returned home, he called 911 and reported A.J. missing. 911, what's your address of your emergency? Okay, tell me exactly what happened. Um, we, uh, we have a missing child. Um, woke up this morning and, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't. How old is uh, the child? Yeah, missing child. Yeah, how old is he? He's five. What was he last seen wearing? Um, a Mario, uh, like blue, long sleeve sweatshirt and uh, a black sweatpant. And is he a uh, male white? Yes. Mm. And when was the last time you seen him? Uh, last night. Uh, probably 9.30, uh, when he went to bed. Okay. Are you the father? Yes. Okay. Do you know where he might have went? No. Um, we can't with the neighborhood. Yeah, I went to the local park, um, the local gas station down here where we sometimes take him to buy treats. Um, I spoke with the assistant principal over there at the school where the park is, and they, they haven't seen uh, Kim or any other child. I, I have no idea where he would be. Okay. So you put him to bed last night, so he was in his pajamas, and then... When you tried yeah. to get him for school, he wasn't there, and then you left around for a bit? Yes. Have you checked everywhere, like under tables or uh, in closets? Closets, the basement, the garage, everywhere. Okay. What's your child's name? Uh, Andrew, last name Trend. We call him AJ. And Trend is T-R-E-N-D? F-R-E-U-N-D.
Was any of the doors open? No. Any, you know, no outside doors or anything like that. No doors or windows? No. No. Officer's phone on door now. Okay. Yeah, I see him. When police arrived, they first searched the house just to make sure A.J. hadn't been missed. An officer testifies about the condition of the home. We uh, asked the parents for a consent to search the house extensively to make sure A.J. had not been overlooked or was hiding or any uh, you know, circumstances. All right, that. and so just, just generally after going into the house, uh, what was your impressions? What were some of your impressions of, of the home and the interior of the home, please? My initial entry on the side door, which is the main point of entry, I had sensory overload. Kitchen is the main point. When you walk into the kitchen, the subfloor is exposed. There was no room on the counters for anything at all. There was the ceiling had a hole in it, had some water damage. Basically, more or less just filth is how I viewed it as. What did it smell like? A stale smell, food that had been left out. Did you, did you smell anything? Did, was there the smell of urine? A faint smell, but more or less of a stale, musty smell in the kitchen area upon entry. You're, I was more or less sensory overloaded when you first walked in. It was just so much to take in at once. I was not expecting to see that when you first walked in for a missing child report. Okay. Police claim that the home was filthy with ripped up floors, food left out, and garbage everywhere. The officer also describes the lock that was on the door of A.J.'s room so he could be locked inside. This is the outside to uh, A.J.'s room. Okay. And D-28. That's a, a chain lock with a padlock attached to the outside of the door frame that would prevent him from exiting the door, the room. D-29, is that the slide as well as the chain lock? Correct. Outside of A.J.'s room? Yes. 35, what's this? That's also, they had a padlock, combination lock on his, on his closet and bedroom. Okay, so there's a padlock on his closet. Is the padlock on the inside or outside of the door? That's on the outside. DCFS took custody of AJ's younger brother, Parker. When investigators talked to the brother, he said that his parents told him not to talk about AJ. He said that his mom told him that AJ had, quote, fallen down the stairs and had a lot of owies, end quote. Friend and Cunningham stood firm that they didn't know what happened to their son. In his initial interview with detectives, Friend maintained that A.J. had gone missing. He claimed that he had gone to his doctor's appointment on April 18, 2019, and when he got home, he went to check on A.J. and realized he was missing. They cooperated with police at the beginning, but as more and more questions arose about their involvement, they started clamming up. Cunningham eventually hired a lawyer who told the media that he advised her to no longer work with the police. Everyone, my name is George Kilelis. I'm an attorney. This is Joanne Cunningham, the mother of AJ. Joanne came here today to stay, hoping that AJ would come back at any moment and walk through the house. But I think the house has gone through a search and the house is in a pretty rough shape and everything inside it. And quite frankly, it's very depressing to Miss Cunningham and she doesn't want to stay here. So for the next 48 hours at least, she's going to be staying with a friend. Miss Cunningham doesn't know what happened to AJ and had nothing to do with the disappearance of AJ. 
Miss Cunningham is worried sick. She's devastated. And we are asking for a little bit of privacy and understanding and compassion from you guys and the rest of the community, please. And we are asking from, for the community's help in trying to find AJ. If anyone has information as to where may, what may have happened to him, we ask that they please come forward and talk to the police. And that is all I have to say for now. Okay? Well, thank you guys very much. It's K-I-L-I-L-I-S. Kililis. No, not not right now. She's in very, very bad shape emotionally and I wanna avoid any statements. I wanna give her space and I wanna give her privacy. I will say that Miss Cunningham had nothing to do with the disappearance of AJ. She's innocent of any wrongdoing and I would ask you guys to not assume the worst. I would ask the community to not assume the worst. I would ask the community to come together and help us locate AJ. When George, you said you're representing Miss Cunningham here. What about uh, uh, Mr. Friend? I do not know about Mr. Friend. I am not his attorney. Is Miss Cunningham cooperating with the police? Miss Cunningham cooperated with the police extensively yesterday until at some point we got the impression that she may be considered a suspect. I don't know whether she is or not, and I don't know how serious uh, she, uh, that consideration is. But as an attorney, once I realized that, I advised Ms. Cunningham to remain silent from that point on. Uh, but she cooperated extensively up until then. The investigation uncovered cell phone data that included the 3 a.m. search for child CPR, as well as the videos of Cunningham physically and verbally abusing AJ. Friend was brought back in for questioning, and when the investigators showed him a video that showed the young boy's bruises, Friend broke down and told them the truth. Then he led them to the body. The chief of police for Crystal Lake, Jim Black, held a press conference to announce that AJ's body had been recovered. My name is Jim Black. I'm the Chief of Police for the City of Crystal Lake. I know you've all been following this case over the last six days as events have unfolded. I have a brief statement prepared and I will not be taking any questions as this is still an active and ongoing investigation and we are still reviewing and processing evidence at this time. Special Agent in Charge of the FBI Office, Jeff Sillette, is here with me today. Uh, he will be giving a brief statement when I conclude my briefing. It is with heavy heart that the Crystal Lake Police Department reports that we have located what we believe to be the body of Andrew A.J. Friend uh, later this morning or earlier this morning. During the overnight hours, investigators with the Crystal Lake Police Department and the FBI interviewed both the mother, Joanne Cunningham, and the father, Andrew Friend Sr., after information was obtained through a forensic an analysis of cell phone data. Once presented with the evidence obtained by investigators, both Joanne and Andrew Sr. provided information that ultimately led to the recovery, what we believe is the recovery, of deceased subject A.J. Investigators located what they believe to be A.J.'s body buried in a shallow grave wrapped in plastic in a row area of Woodstock, Illinois. The McHenry County Coroner's Office is on scene with the FBI Evidence Recovery Unit right now as we speak. 
The cause of death is unknown at this time and will be, ter- be determined at a later date by the McHenry County Coroner's Office. Based on the current information and evidence, both Joanne Cunningham and Andrew Friend are being charged with the death and disappearance of AJ. Both are in police custody at this time. Joanne Cunningham has been charged with five counts of first-degree murder, four counts of aggravated battery, two counts of aggravated domestic battery, and one count of failure to report a missing or child death. Andrew Friend Sr. has been charged with five counts of first-degree murder, two counts of aggravated battery, one count of aggravated domestic battery, two counts of concealment of homicidal death, and one count of failure to report missing or child death. Both parents initially pleaded not guilty and proclaimed their innocence. But on December 5th of 2019, Joanne Cunningham changed her plea to guilty after prosecutors confronted her with a mountain of evidence. Though the prosecutor pushed for the maximum sentence of 60 years, in July of 2020, Joanne Cunningham was sentenced to 35 years in prison for the murder of AJ. Her story doesn't end there, though. Cunningham was seven months pregnant at the time of her arrest, but it wasn't Friend's baby. Cunningham and Friend had broken up, though they were still living together, and she was dating a man named Daniel Nowicki, who was in jail at the time of AJ's death. He had been in jail for the previous six months for hitting his pregnant wife. That's right, Nowicki was married and his wife was pregnant when he also got Cunningham pregnant. Then he decided to smack around said pregnant wife, which shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Cunningham is clearly attracted to complete and utter pieces of garbage, so the sheer fact that she was having a sexual relationship with him should be instant proof that he would end up being a shitbag. According to Cunningham, Nowicki was supposed to be released from jail the day that AJ went missing. That statement was from an interview that happened while she was still claiming to not know what happened to her son. She was supposed to pick up Nowicki from jail, and he was going to live with her. And her ex-boyfriend. And the two kids they had together. Like one big, happy, extremely dysfunctional family that was probably not going to be very happy. Nowicki was not released from jail until more than a month later. In October of 2019, he died of a drug overdose near Indianapolis, Indiana. The baby girl was born May 31st, 2019, and was taken by DCFS after she was born. She was being fostered by a relative of Cunningham. Andrew Friend eventually pleaded guilty as well. This court has considered all relevant sentencing factors and options, and the court will accept the terms of the negotiation presented to the court from the parties. The court makes the applicable findings of fact as specified in the sentencing orders. The court will sentence the defendant first on the charge of aggravated battery to a child. The court will sentence the defendant to a period of 11 years, zero months in the Illinois Department of Corrections with a period of three years mandatory supervised release. I believe that aggravated battery to a child will be served at 85% under the Truth in Sentencing Act. In regard to count two, involuntary manslaughter, the court will sentence the defendant to 14 years, zero months, with two years mandatory supervised release on that charge. And pursuant to truth in sentencing, I believe that charge will be served at a minimum of 50%. In regard to count three, 
concealment of a homicidal death, the court will sentence the defendant to a period of five years, zero months, one year mandatory supervised release. These charges will be consecutive, uh, commencing with count one, then count two, then count three. One year mandatory supervised release on the concealment of a homicidal death, and I believe that charge will be served at a minimum of 50%. He was sentenced to a total of 30 years in prison. Once released, he will have to register as a violent offender against youth. This case caused quite an uproar in the community about the amount of children who had died in 2019 despite having contact with the Department of Child and Family Services. There were 123 deaths, 24 were ruled a homicide, 37 were accidental, 34 were natural, 7 were suicide, and 21 were undetermined. A report showed issues within the agency such as children killed after the agency left them with abusive parents, a lack of foster homes for children whose first language isn't English, and children kept beyond medical necessity in psychiatric hospitals. Representatives of DCFS said that the agency's leadership had been restructured and they were overhauling the department to reverse long-standing problems with the system. We'll see how that works out. If you like this show, please subscribe or leave me a rating on whatever podcast app you use. On YouTube, you can subscribe, hit like, or leave me a comment. If you'd like to support the show, you can donate a few dollars through Buy Me a Coffee. You can click the link on our website or YouTube channel, or go to buymeacoffee.com backslash monsters. If you shop on Amazon, you can go to our website and click on the Amazon banner, where you can purchase items at no additional charge, but will get a small commission. I'm always trying to increase my content and improve its quality, and your support will help me do that. Thank you in advance. Life's full of things we can't depend on. Like the Irish weather, predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for lucky seven. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now CERTA, delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on, see CERTAIreland.ie. This Christmas, feel joy, gift joy and send them joy with the perfect gift at Arnott's. Explore an endless array of gifting that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Shop Irish at the Christmas market, support emerging new businesses with Pitch 22 or find something extra special from one of our world-class brands. Shop in-store and online at arnott's.ie.